Okay, welcome to Lipped Out. This is Series 1, Episode 2 of the podcast. And uh, joined today, my name is Stuart Blythe. I'm joined with Gary Barber, as usual. Hi, Gary. Yeah, hi, Stuart. I think today we're going to have a little chat about the Open. We've got the, we're in the Open week, right? So um, let's have a little look down memory lane and talk about those wonderful courses down on the, on the south coast. So Sandwich, which is Royal St. George's. Uh, we've got Princes down there and Royal Singport. So we'll have a little little uh, talk about all three of those. Uh, then we'll also come on to a little bit about who we think is going to win the Open. So Gary will give us his view on who he thinks are the betting tips for down there, down at uh, Royal, uh, Royal St. George's this week. And then uh, we'll end up with a little bit of a trip down memory lane and have a think about those previous winners down at Royal St. George's. Okay, so let's get straight into it then. So this week is the Open at uh, Royal St. George's. I think it's the 14th time that they've got the Open, no, 15th time, I, I beg my pardon, 15th time that they've got that Open hosted down at Royal St. George's, wow. which, is, uh, which is a pretty phenomenal um, uh, number. I think it's the first time down there in a decade uh, partly probably because uh, we, we missed a year last year through the for the COVID and the cancellation. We could probably all remember that the last winner was that 42-year-old that gives us all hope, us oldies. Um, uh, makes me always want to cheer on the old guy when I see someone like that. Uh, but 42 is wonderful watching Darren Clark win there last time. So for those that have never been, it's an awesome part of the uh, UK uh, down on the, the Gulf Coast of Kent. You've got three open venues within a stretch of about probably about three miles. Not much. You've got at the top Princes, which is a wonderful course. It's got three loops of, of nine. The Himalayas, the Shores and the Dunes. Dunes and the Shores were the nines that they used to have the open on. I think they've had it once down there at Princes. The one in the middle is Royal St. George's, which is the very famous one, which the opens on this week. And actually, I'll whisper it. But my favourite of the three, actually, is Royal Sinkports, which is the one in the south of the of those three courses. And uh, that one, I think, if I remember rightly, that one's held the open venue twice. Uh, but it, it came off the rotor because of problems when it flooded once many years back. Uh, but, yeah, three awesome courses, all within uh, a very easy distance from each other. Um, wonderful place to go and play golf down there. Uh, have you played any of them, Gary? Yeah, this St George's about 11 years ago, and I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Very, very tough. Had a really good day from it, though, which, which made it a little bit easier. So what did you remember what you shot around there? I believe it was in the mid-80s. I was not a very good golfer back then, so it was, it was quite a difficult day. Yeah, I think when I played Royal St George's, it was, I got a deal. I think it was 75 quid. And it was the last week of March or something like that. And it was quite cold. Uh, thankfully, the rough wasn't high. Uh, but it was a, I wanted to play it, right? Because I think the Open was, was going to come up and it was being there the, the, either that year or the following year. It was a few years back, probably about 10 years ago. Me and my dad went around there. Loved it. Loved it. A um, couple of holes that really stood out for me. The, the first one being the fourth. I don't know if you remember, Gary, but there's that huge bunker you have to get over. I think they coffin, call it. Yeah. yeah, the coffin. You have to clear that. Um, and uh, I chickened out and went left. I didn't go over that. I don't. I don't carry the ball 270 yards like you, Gary. <laughs> um, so I, I chickened out. Me and my dad went left of the bunker and avoided it completely. 
Um, but I remember the first time I went to Royal St George's, I watched John Daly and he absolutely smashed it miles over. I think it must have flown about 100 yards before it bounced over the top of that bunker. It was un unbelievable. Uh, <laughs> just watched it with your, your jaw open, watching him absolutely booming it over there. He's, he's that was incredible. back in the day. Yeah, he's yeah back in the, the day when he was... Yeah, when he when he was really the big boomer of the day, yeah. it, it was you know his overswing and everything. It was just incredible. But I guess everyone's caught up with him now, haven't they? In terms of like him being the big thing. Absolutely, I think some of these kids coming out, they can just absolutely sling it out there really far. I mean, I, I remember one of the the holes that stood out for me was fourteen on St George's, and I think that was the the hole that I think ruined it for St Johnson that year. He was really close to to Darren Clark, I believe. I think he was within two strokes or something like that, two or one stroke, and he tried to hit a long iron in for his second shot and put it out of bounds down the right. So that's that's probably the hole that stands out there for me. But yeah, absolutely, a lot of these big hitters, John Daly, those days are gone because they're all big hitters nowadays. So I'm going to be there uh, on Thursday night. Me and my daughter are going there. And um, so we'll watch Friday and Saturday. So tell me, who do you think, if I, if I was sort of quite excited watching John Daly hitting it over the, the fourth bunker, who's the one in this day and age to watch out for? Yeah, definitely. I think if you're looking to put a safe bet on, John Ram's going to be an absolute dead set for at least a top 10. He's always there week in, week out. Obviously, just recently winning a major has definitely elevated his game and probably validates all the hard work that he's put in. So he's definitely going to be up there as, I think, my top pick. And then you can never rule out Dustin Johnson. I mean, anyone that mm. has that sort of length off the tee, he's got experience around that course. So definitely want to watch out for. And then one I'm excited to watch, I know he didn't have a, a great time in the last couple of Opens, but Bryson DeChambeau, the, uh, the new added body, the new power that he's bringing to the game, it's really going to be interesting. I've seen a couple of highlights there on uh, on Twitter of him hitting it 355 yards, which is just <laughs> going to be incredible at Lynx course. Whether he can uh, control that and actually keep it out of the rough is going to be a different scenario. But you'll be able to tell us when you when you see the venue in person whether you think that's going to be a good pick. And my last pick, I think, if the putter stays hot for him, is Brooks Kepka. The guy is always, always sniffing about leaderboards. He's not afraid to win majors. He's just a great game all over. And the only thing that tends to let him down at times is the putter. So I'd be really interested to see how, how those guys go on this week. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And um, I wonder if there's any more of that needle between um, Brooks and DeChambeau. That's, that's been quite comical watching that recently, especially the bit when he walked past him and muttered a few uh, things about his about his putting recently. They've got a bit of needle. That's quite, it adds to the fun of the game, I suppose, right? Definitely. Absolutely. You see two guys at the top of their game and they clearly don't like each other, but I think it's interesting that they've never been paired recently in, in any of the matches, you know, even though Brooks is, has been egging the USGA on for it, it's definitely not happened yet. So that'll be interesting to see if that pairing comes together. 
Yeah, I hope that happens on Thursday. <laughs> That'd be good. Or Friday. <laughs> That'd be good. And that hole that you're talking about, the 14th at St. George, is the one that you yes. remember from it. That's the one that's got the sh the brook that runs across the fairway. It um, does, yeah. And it's the the out of bounds all down the right. You're correct. Yeah, yep. it's par five, I think 550 yards or so. And Dustin Johnson just absolutely annihilated his, sh his first shot down there. It was obviously very windy tried to hit, I believe, a two or a one iron in the green and just completely blocked it all the way down the right. And I mean, for someone of his quality, you know, it just shows how difficult it gets coming down the stretch of the open when you're chasing and you can make mistakes. So it's it's a very tight hole. It looks like there's loads of room up the left, but as you come into that green, it's a really, really narrow angle. Mm, yeah, remember that one. Remember that one. Uh, two, um, 322 to clear the to, to the wow. front of the ditch, actually. Wow. So it's probably about 350 to clear the ditch. So, so that'll be Bryson. So, that'll be interesting. That's Bryson. That that he'll see, have yeah. a go at that. He'll come because he's got that cockiness about him where he does yeah. something crazy. If you can imagine, that. if that's going to be downwind, that is absolutely in his wheelhouse. He could, he could probably crank one out there and be left with a sand wedge in, which is really scary, but at the same time, very entertaining, I think. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And have you you've not played any of the other two courses in that area then? So Prince's or Royal Sink Ports, you've not had a crack at no, either of those two? Unfortunately I haven't. Definitely when I get down there at some point, I know that you've been going on about the uh, sim ports, so I'm looking forward yeah. to, to playing that. That that sounds like a lot of fun. It's a shame when a course, like you're saying, is is really nice and a really tough track, you know, gets taken off no an open rotor just for the sake of possible drainage, you know, when they don't get the opportunity to fix it. I wonder what the RNA really looks at when they're they're swapping these courses in and out. As you say, Port Rush managed to come back on after all those years off of it. So it makes you wonder what the criteria is to be swapped in and swapped out. I always wonder why Royal County Downs not ever considered. I guess it's I totally uh... People always say that's the greatest course in Europe. A lot of people, a lot of people, I've not played it, but a lot of people that say all the courses, Royal County Down, that's on your bucket list. You have to do that one before you die. That is the one to play. So it seems interesting why yeah. everyone says that one is the course. Mm. So it's um, it's bizarre why that one's not on there. I guess the roads are narrow and uh, you know trying to get the facilities in there is quite difficult. If I remember rightly. It's the reason why, you know, on their checklist of what can host a venue, like why Presswick can't host it again is because they just don't have a practice ground there. They've, oh. got the they've got a tiny little area for like chipping and a, and a few greens and stuff, but they haven't got a you know big driving range or nothing like that. So, you know, well, the one, the, the course that had the first open um, won't have it again, which is yeah, and it held, held quite a few down at Presswick. It's a lovely little track that. Um, yeah, it's, it's really a, it's sad. A, yeah, it's quite sad because there's so much history around that course. Yeah. That one's um, that one's got a lot of history with uh, the Tom Morris designed at twelve of the holes there. So it's definitely worth a track. Very, very distinctive. You can completely tell which ones he's designed and which ones he's not designed. Yeah, it stands that's... out like a sore thumb, the difference between the, the six and the 12, right? It really does. It's interesting um, sure... once you get into the golf, he, he is prolific, so you, you can usually tell. I think one of the biggest keys is Carnoustie, we have that same, we have that same issue. And what happens is we, for a practice ground, we actually don't have one. So it's not good enough for the pros. So they actually shut one in 18 down on the button course and they make that 
the driving range and the practice area for the pros when they come for the open. So our yeah. practice range is is it is well equipped, but unfortunately, it's way too far from the first tee for them to shut all players back and forth. So they they close two of the holes on the button course, and that's actually what you would have seen during the 2018 Open in Sky Sports when they had their booth set up and and all the uh, the players' tents. Fantastic! I never knew that. That's um, that's what you get by having a, a member of Carnoustie hosting our podcast. A little insider knowledge like that. Fantastic. Um, so let's go back down to Kent then and uh, wrap up a little bit around the the Open this week. So you gave your tips. I, I, I do you know what? I, I I wouldn't go too far away from what you said. So I, I do like Ram. Think he's a man in form and. And uh, I think most people were egging him on, weren't they, after what happened to him with COVID um, before the US Open. So it'd be good to see him go down there with that off of his shoulders. And he's a, you know, he's a major winner now. See whether or not that unlocks the potential in him because he's such a beautiful player to watch. He really is. Okay, so um, what other memories have we got of that Open? So do you remember previous Open winners there, Gary? I'm going to test I... a bit of your knowledge there. Do you remember the last two, no, there we go, the last three winners at Royal St. George's? Do you remember? Absolutely not. No, I couldn't even go back any further than Dan Clark. I think there was a young lad called Ben Curtis was one of them, wasn't he? Didn't he? Wasn't he the young lad from America that ah. rocked up as a qualifier and he was he, he was meant to get married and then um, he qualified and had to cancel his wedding and then he turned up, was just going to, you know, play the tournament and he ended up winning it. Um, he hasn't really done a massive amount since, but uh, it completely shocked the world by winning. I think that was maybe 2002 or something right around enough, that wasn't, wasn't that when Thomas Bjorn had four or three to get out of that bunker at 16? I think it was, yeah. He was. It was up against Bjorn, yeah. He was a 500 to one winner. Wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Unbelievable. 500 to one. It was 2003. It was, uh, it was, uh, it was incredible. And yeah. I think that's, I think um, that shows that's what the open can do for you. You know, it's definitely not. You don't have to be a standout player at the time. A lot of these guys have the skill to be able to work their way around these courses, and if they're just patient and they put four good rounds together, you can be up there come Sunday. Absolutely, yeah, yeah, totally. I mean. Um, I think that's what happened to him. The momentum just carried him through. I mean, it's quite a sad story about him. If you have a look on um, an article on the Guardian about actually on about I think uh, start of start of, start of July, I think there was an article. Of, in fact, it was uh, by Ewan, Ewan Murray, and he talked about the fact that he's actually retired. Then he talks about why he retired. He's only forty-four, but he stopped playing competitively in two thousand and seventeen. Quite a sort of it was quite a sad story around. You know, someone was a major winner. But all of the things that uh, it, it that sort of triggered off his reason to stop playing, um, and some of it was just the agony of being constantly away from your family all the time, being on the tour, the slog of it. Um, so uh, yeah, it's quite a good article, worth reading that on the Guardian um, as the build up to this week's Open. Okay, all right. Um, so let's move away from the professional game and move a bit more back into uh, our game and what's going on uh, up and down the country. So. Gary, you tell us you were you played your 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 was it your uh, Carnoustie Championship recently, right? You entered yes. that. 
tell tell us what happened in that. Did you take home the? What do you get? What do you get for being the the champion golfer at Carnoustie? Did you get a belt yeah. or a, a big yes. silver mug? Or? So you actually get a gold medal if you win the if you win the championship. Now bear in mind this is my club championship. There are three clubs at St Andrews, and you have the links itself, which is the Carnoustie entity that hold the open and they have their own they have their own setup and then you have three clubs the Carnoustie club is where I'm a member which is the most prestigious golf club in Carnoustie for a multitude of reasons and potentially top five or top six in the world due to the memorabilia they have which we'll get into other podcasts but yeah so entered the club championship managed to qualify for the scratch division thankfully enough so it's two qualifying rounds managed to get through there and then it goes it goes from a stroke play event to match play event made it through the first round of the match play with some uh, very hairy golf it was not some of my best but fortunately enough it was better than the guy I was playing and then into the quarterfinals came up against a guy called Scott Graham who is a previous winner back in 2018 of the club championship very very capable golfer played some great golf it was birdies that were winning holes which was nice managed to get all the way through to 16 and got beat three and two so it was an excellent show and really happy how i played and uh, as i say you can only just look forward to next year and try and make your, your bad shots a little bit better yeah well done well i think getting to the last eight of the scratch um championship for carnoustie something to um Something to be proud of, mate. I suppose I reflect yesterday. England football team got to uh, got to second place in the in the football, um, yeah. and uh, I suppose they need to be proud of it. it. Didn't look like it yesterday the way they all took their medals off uh, straight as soon as they had them round their neck. They took them straight off again. Thought that was a bit odd, but yeah, a bit go. disappointed, wasn't it? I thought they did fantastic. You know, it's a very very tough competition, and you know, I think the press get a little bit hard on them, but they they did excellent. You know, you said to the England supporters, "Do you want to take a a final match right now before you start the competition?" I think everybody would snap your hand off at it. It's just unfortunate the result, but they, they played fantastically and it's horrible to lose a championship like that on penalties. Yeah, certainly was, certainly was. Um, but yeah, I think as you're right, I think if someone had said take second at the start, you'd have been quite happy with that. That's progress. So um, I think, was it third in the last one, second in this one? So you never know. You, well, you never know, four, four years, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed there. Um, all right, cool. Uh, so I think the last thing to probably just wrap up on is just to remind everyone around the Twitter handle that we've got. So if you want to ask us any questions, we're on at lipped underscore out. Uh, and what I'll do is I'll put some photographs on there this week from walking around at Royal St George's. So I'll put some shots on there, try and get a, a, an image of where people are bouncing over the top of that bunker on the fourth at uh, Royal St George's so I'll get some shots down there and put that on the Twitter handle I know Gary's been putting some stuff on there from Carnoustie and uh, as we mentioned on the first podcast from the uh, from from the, 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 the Trump yeah. Aberdeen course so some good photography coming from us uh, on our travels all around the place so have a look at that as we we go down to the open on Thursday and Friday so that wraps us up for episode two of the Lipped Out podcast, and we'll speak to you all soon.